They do such a great job every week leading our hearts and our minds in worship. You know, I'm actually, uh, I'm pretty encouraged. Um, Derek Carlson told me this a couple minutes ago. He was like, you know, do, do your best when you get up there. And I didn't quite know how to respond to that because normally I'm used to hearing from my father, don't mess up the service. Um, amen. Well, I'm fired up to be here. I hope you guys are too. You know, actually, uh, I was really encouraged. Yesterday, our teen ministry got to go to our, uh, well, our first, our first annual, but uh, our summer kickoff event yesterday with our all-L.A. teen ministries, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal night. Teens, you have a good time? As the team leader, I apologize. Yeah, right? Teens, did you guys have a good time last night? There we go. That's much better. Yeah, uh, last night I was, I was not totally fired up about driving out to Panorama High School in L.A., but it was an incredible time. You know, the, the goal of, of, uh, of this as an event is to get the teens excited. We, we had our, our freshmen uh, come to their first ever teen event of the summer and, uh, and try to get them excited because this year our teen camp is at the end of June instead of, like, August 1st, right before school starts. And so I think this is going to be a phenomenal year, but that kind of came in a little funky. And then but by the time, you know, by the time we're in the middle of worship, I'm like sobbing. I'm singing with my daughter, like trying to hold it together. And so I'm, I'm really encouraged to be here at church this morning. Uh, and all in all, honestly, it's been a great weekend. Uh, on Friday, I had to take my wife on a date. And I was fired up about that. Come on, married people and going on dates. And uh, we got to go see Wonder Woman. Which, if you haven't seen yet, I highly recommend. I'm a big DC fan, and I've been sorely disappointed for years now about what, what I've been watching. But Wonder Woman was incredible. Uh, but you know, there's, there's, there's some too. Marvel has messed us up over the years now, where you have you feel like you have to wait after the credits to see if there's something else going on. And so, you know, we're sitting in the middle of Wonder Woman, like at the credits, launching them roll, going, anything? My wife was ready to go, so she just decided to look it up. Like, hey, there's nothing. Let's go. But I don't know if you've ever caught yourself looking at the end credits of a movie and actually reading some of the names and the roles of, of movies and stuff. There's some very interesting things there. And so it inspired me for this morning. I actually, believe it or not, this goes along with the sermon you'll see. Uh, but I thought we'd play a little game here this morning together. All right? A little game called Explain That Credit. To see if you know some of these random movie titles. Okay? Right? So this is a job that you will see in the description of credits that you probably never thought about, or maybe you've always thought about, like, what, what is that? Alright? So the first one is a Foley artist. Does anybody know what this is? Krista, of course you do. Great. Go ahead and shout it out. Shout it out. What is it? And not just, the, not just any sound, though. The Foley artist is, specializes in making special sound effects. So they're the ones who make, like, clock sounds and, like, like sound of, like, like when, when people are sword fighting and it sounds like the, the metal scraping. They make that artificially. So that's the Foley artist, okay? What about this one? And no, it's not what you think. Game boss, anybody know? 
I nailed it. So the gang boss is in charge of the transportation. Getting the crew to and from our special cars that need to be on set. That's the gang boss right there. Yes, right? Completely different expectation in your mind, I'm sure. All right, third one here. This one's been out there for a long time. Key grip. A key grip? equipment, or in charge of all the maintenance of the equipment that's on set. They, like, move it back and forth and set things up, tear things down, scaffolding, that kind of stuff. And the key grip is in charge of all the other grips. Alright, and last but not least here, this one is, this one has always puzzled me for a long time. A best boy. I don't know what image you get in your head when you think about that, but I think of, like, this, like, 1950s eight-year-old with a top hat and, like, or like a spinner hat on. This is the best boy. He's here for moral support. Um, does anybody know what it is? Carl Argetta, you're supposed to know this. No? All right. The best boy is basically like the assistant to the gaffer who's in charge of all the electrical equipment. And whether you are a man or a woman, you are still the best boy. attention to the credits as they roll, are all part of making the movie magic happen. And I wonder to myself how they feel about seeing their name in the credits after a major movie role. Because, right? you, know, you know, in the Oscars, they're not giving the award to the best boy. They're giving, they're giving it to the director, the producer, you know, whatever it may be. But there's the best boy sitting at the premiere going, oh, 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 oh that's me. series, what, what's, been, what's been the series we've been doing lately? The church. Very, very self-explanatory, right? The church talks about the church. So, we've been doing a series basically trying to talk through what what, what makes the church special. Biblically, and what, 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 make, what should make us stand out? What it is? How do we get to be a part of it? Uh, all kinds of different things. Last week, Steve kind of introduced the first part of what I'm going to continue talking about today, where he talked about what, what what our role is in God's church. And what he was trying to get across to us and help us to understand is that we do have individual roles that we're going to talk about more today, but we all share a common role and a common purpose, right? That if you are a part of God's church, that means you are a disciple of Christ. The brother from Marina analogy, I love that. I heard that in a Bible study years ago, and I've never forgotten that. That, you know, every Marine is a rifleman. Ruah, right? job is, you are always going to be known as a rifleman, because everybody has that shared responsibility of being there. In the same way in the church, we've got a lot of individual roles, but first off, before we can even talk about our individual role, we have to understand we all have a responsibility in God's church. We are here to represent Jesus. We're here to carry our crosses. We're here to make disciples of all nations. It doesn't matter what your gifts or talents are. That's all of us. I wanted to uh, bring up a scripture that, that Steve shared. I'm just going to read it in a different version. In the God's Word version, Ephesians 4.12, says their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. This is to continue until 
and in our knowledge about God's Son until we become mature, until we measure up to Christ, who is the standard. And specifically right now, he's talking about leaders. He says that our role as leadership is not to do everything for the church. It's to equip everybody in God's church to recognize we are a part of building this together. Everybody needs a shovel. Everybody needs to get their hands dirty. God wants us to build up His church and to become like Jesus. If you are sitting in this church and you call yourself a member of the Fire Church Christ, that means you are a disciple. You are walking in an imitation of the Almighty. Now I want to ask you something. Steve gave us a challenge at the end of last week. Does anybody know what it was? Have somebody in your home. How many people, how many people did that this week? All right, we got some work to do. Amen. Well, we're going to carry that over. If you didn't do it this last week, do it this week. Have somebody in your home because we're disciples of Christ. Amen. Well, today we're going to get into, like I said, the more specific roles that God has in the church and the gifts that God wants us to use and He gives us. And, uh, and this is an important thing for us to grasp. You know, there's a, there's a, a concept in the business world out there it's called the 80 20 rule. Does anybody know what that means? No? Well, no, what that means? What is it? Exactly. Did you, did you ever hear that? So it says, in the business world, in any given business, 20% of the people tend to do 80% of the work, and 80% of the people only did 20% of the work. Basically, there's a huge discrepancy where the distribution of, of labor, of love, and stuff goes in a company. And you know, the truth is, this is how the church can be filled. 20% of the people pour themselves out, give and serve, and some cases are really multi-talented, but tend to do way more than most other people do. But biblically, as we even learned last week, that's not right. We're all part of this thing together. On this ship, there are no passengers. We're all crew, right? But this comes up in all kinds of ways. In serving, in planning events, showing up early, tithing. 80% of the work tends to fall on only 20% of the people. And I think this happens in large part because of a couple things. Either number one, because we don't really understand that we are part of this together. That this is a shared responsibility. God is looking at all of us, not just collectively, but individually. You know, Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, there's a scripture there where Paul says, we belong to one another. It's not, I hang out by myself with other people. No, it's you belong to me and I belong to you. But then also I think sometimes this happens because sometimes we can have a hard time finding where our niche is in God's church. What is my role? What are my gifts that I have to give? The title of our sermon today is Know Your Role. I'm going to say a prayer. Father, I do want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here right now, to, uh, to be a part of this church, God. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you who's been in this room here. I do really want to pray that you really lead us to your feet right now. Lead us uh, in your word. Help us to, uh, to, to be a church that models Jesus. 
for what you desire, God. I pray that you would speak through me right now, help our hearts to be softened, and that I pray you receive the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning I have no points. This is a pointless sermon. Or if you want a point, your point is know your own, okay? But today we're going to be studying out First First uh, Corinthians 12 and 13. So you can go ahead and open up your Bibles there. You got them. But before we get to the, these passages, I think it's important that we understand a little bit about the church of Corinth. So, if you didn't know, in the first century, Corinth is a Greek church. And it is in the middle of an incredibly wealthy political and religious city, right? Kind of a small snapshot, if you will, of like a modern day L.A. or New York, that kind of a thing. These people that lived in Corinth were incredibly talented people. They were successful, and frankly, they were, they were just impressive. But, as Freud might say about them, they have issues. Does anyone know what the book of 1 Corinthians gets called sometimes? the book of Proverbs. And boy, did the church in Corinth have them. Let's dive in a little bit, shall we? They had division problems. Racial, socioeconomic. They were arguing in 1 Corinthians 1. They were arguing over who studied the Bible with them. Well, I'm better because Apollo studied the Bible with me. Well, I'm better because Peter studied the Bible with me. That was going on in the church. They had some religious confusion. There was all kinds of religiosity. There were at least 12 different temples in Corinth in the first century. These were pagan temples, Greek temples, Jewish temples. There was all kinds of stuff going on. All kinds of different gods. And they were confused as all get out. You know, uh, two of the temples that were well known in Corinth were actually the Temple of Aphrodite and the Temple of Apollo. And if you didn't know this, the Temple of Aphrodite, the way you worship, they were actually temple prostitutes that you would sleep with as an act of worship. So sexuality was a big deal. Apollo was, in a lot of cases, worse. Because, so, because oftentimes the relationship when it came to worshiping Apollo was men that would have a relationship with boys. This was ugly stuff. This was their religion in this city. Like I mentioned, there's tons of immorality. I looked this up. In the first century, to, to say to Corinthianize something means that you are sexually immoral. The Corinthians were so known for this that they were literally a verb for immorality. And not only did they have the problem with the, with the temples and the culture that they were in, they had, they had issues within the church. In 1 Corinthians 5, it describes a situation where, where somebody is having, having sex with his mother. Stepmother, sorry. His stepmother. There was some crazy stuff going on there. There were lawsuits. There were disciples that were suing each other. There was some crazy sacrilegious stuff. They were getting drunk on communion wine in church. Then there were false teachings. There were things that were being said in the church that, no, the, the, the resurrection has already happened. Jesus has already come. We're just the leftovers. Like, this is a church, people. Anyone who struggles with being critical about people in here, good love. 
spend most of the book of 1 Corinthians trying to deal with this stuff from a distance. But in spite of this, I want to show you how Paul says this stuff. Look at how he says it. I'm going to read the whole thing, but there's still seven stuff there. I always thank God for you because of the great gift you have done for us. For in Him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to come. Wow. How does Paul feel about this jacked up church? I thank my God for you. It's obvious that Christ is still among you. Can you imagine how this might feel receiving this letter and hearing this? does he see that? You know, I love this church. I love what we have here as a movement, as a whole, but here in the Inland Empire specifically, I love this church. But you know, there there are some realities to this as well. I see failures. I see selfishness, laziness, I see older Christians who are still faithful and looking for new dreams. I see young Christians who are fired up and eager to love and serve. that he steps away from these corrections and just straight rebuking the church to address that they've all been given roles to play in church history. Pick up with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. With me so far? Because just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up, not made up of one part, but of many. So the first thing that Paul really does here in this section, and I know this is a passage that many of us are really familiar with, but he connects, it, he connects the church to the analogy that we are part of a body. Just like our physical body has different organs, body systems, pieces and parts, the church has all kinds of different people, ministries, skill sets, gifts, roles, all kinds of stuff. And I can't say honestly how much I, enough about how much I love this analogy. I was a kinesiology major in college, so I got to do a lot of studying about the human body. And honestly, it's, it's Studying the human body that made me choose my majors because I was so fascinated 
by what I saw that God did with us. You know, uh, I know most people don't tend to get excited about um, about essay questions, but from my anatomy, one of my anatomy and physiology classes, my teacher would always end each section talking about how how does this body system rely on this body system? How how does the skin rely on the bones? How do the bones rely on the integumentary artery, the nerve system, uh, the endocrine system? How do these body systems, these completely different organs, rely on each other to keep the human body alive? And the more I studied, the more I was just like, God is amazing. And so when Paul says we're a body, I just start getting excited, fascinated. Because we got organs and people in here that we don't even necessarily know what you do yet. You're like an appendix. But Paul uses this analogy, and in verses 14 to 20, we're not going to read. It, we're not going to read all that there. He's talking about. He first, he first describes how valuable that we are to the body, right? We studied this last fall, that, that we individually are valuable to the body. We can't deny our own value to each other. You are important. But also, then he flips it in verse 21 through 26, and he talks about how important other people are to us. That's not just our significance, it's your significance to me. We need each other function. This thing doesn't work without all of us getting our hands in there. And when I preached on this in October, we got more into the details of our personalities and temperament. Uh, some people commented on that. I had the little chart about being a choleric and phlegmatic, all that stuff. But today, I want to hone in on the role that you have played in history. In verse 27, skip down there. says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different types of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do we all have the gifts of healing? Do we all speak in tongues? Do we all interpret? Go ahead and stop there. So, I want to focus in here. So after he talks about kind of the general truth of the body, he starts getting into the, the fact that in the church we do have specific roles to fill. So we're going to look at some of these here a little bit and break them down. So the first one that he brings up here is apostles. Now, this isn't what we maybe tend to think about. I know the Mormon church takes this very literally, that Jesus still wants there to be 12 apostles. But essentially what Paul is talking about is he's talking about the leadership within the church. And man, for the people that are here, even you, there might be some of you in here, you need to step up and think about leadership. To use your gifts to lead a family group, or a Bible talk, or maybe be a worship leader, a kingdom kids, something in leadership. In order for the church to function, he actually kind of does a little bit of a hierarchy here. Not, not in significance, but that without this, you don't have a church. Without leaders, you don't have a church. So sometimes, so some of us here, man, we need to be thinking, man, maybe, maybe I am a leader. Then he talks about prophets. And no, this isn't predicting the future. This isn't some grand dream thing that God gives you. When, when the Bible talks about prophecy, it talks about speaking the truth. It talks about people that, that know how to preach the truth. You know, we, we need people that are willing and able to preach God's truth. 
yes on stage. People that can deliver communions. Do offerings. Can speak, you know, do, do communion for kingdom cake. Maybe this is, this is people that can speak within your family groups. But people that know how to teach and preach God's word. And with that as well, he talks about, uh, oh, well, healing. We'll go there. But what this really means, he's talking about people that know how to meet people's needs. Now, I love, I love what our weekly bedroom culture is like. It's phenomenal. And I, I don't know if you guys fully realize this. Our region is very well known. Our church is very well known in our community for the way that we serve Jesus. It's, it's stellar. It's standout. The way that we help with Alliance Foster Care is standout. This mobile medical unit that we're doing, nothing like this has ever been done. You know, the, the, the time and energy that the mature disciples have put into to meeting the needs of the homeless. We need people that care enough about the needs of those around us to heal, to be a part of solutions. And that's within the church, but also in our community. Paul talks about teachers. People who know how to teach the Bible accurately. Who can even combat false teachers. And you know what? Our world is full of them. We are a blip, you know, it's, it's been amazing as I've been sharing my faith since we've been here at this building, you know, describing, oh, where's the church at? Like, they always sound like that. Oh, is that abundant living? Is that water abundant? There's all these giant mega churches all around us. And I'm not trying to single anything, anybody or anything out, but there's a lot of false teaching that comes with that, too. And some of this is just as disciples, we need to be good at this. But there's also need, we also need to have some individuals that know how to teach the Bible accurately to, to fight some of this false teaching. To be able to know how to teach the truth to people. Maybe even lead specialized ministries. You know, we've got, we've got people, we've got, uh, I, I love what we're doing with Disciples in Motion. Trying to, trying to help teach people how to get out of slums. You know, um, Kevin and Melissa leading Financial Peace University to try to teach a biblical approach and how to get out of the financial traps that we get in. You know, ministries for, for purity, ministries for chemical recovery. We need people like this. You know, one of the things he says, he says in general, it's just, it's just workers. How Paul describes it, man, it is You can move something. If you don't know what your role is, come to church early and help Corvan set up chairs. This brother is here every Sunday. Whether he's doing kingdom things, whether he needs to go out of town, he comes in to sort the chairs. You don't got to be talented to do that. I'm not bashing Corvan. I'm saying... If you're not doing something, you can do that. You can you can stay after a church to help clean up. If somebody's moving into our to our region, you can help them move. This is something that as a church, we, we need people that can serve, that can move some stuff, get some hands dirty, be a kingdom kid worker. Oh, also, we 
need ushers. Just saying. We got some great ushers, but, but they can always use some more help. You know, another one that brings up here is tongues. And we're not going to get into the, the weird stuff. When the Bible actually talks about tongues, it talks about the ability to interpret. Who's got an interpretation ministry? In the back corner. Literally, as we speak, translating, helping to teach languages to people. You know, and then last but not least, administrators. This is, the Bible says this is a gift. So praise God for Stephanie Nakata. Amen. This could be planning events, helping to plan church services. Maybe being, maybe when we get things built out here, being a building supervisor that can help us to make sure that this thing stays clean and in excellent condition. We need administrators. Basically what Paul is saying is, guess what, guys? There's lots of roles and gifts out there. There's lots of them. So as a church, we really don't have a reason to be doing nothing. If you're doing nothing, pick one. We're all family here, right, church? This is our church. And our church is supposed to honor God. But some of this stuff, and maybe, maybe there's still some confusion there. I don't really know if this is my gift or not. You can ask. Let's find out. Basically, there's a lot of pieces that go into making this thing called church. You even think about what goes into a normal Sunday service. I don't know if you've ever really considered that before. We've got 80 ministers. we got team kickers. we got ushers. we got worship leaders. If one of these roles decides not to show up, church is going to be very different. What that tells me, and really what Paul's trying to get at here, he's not trying to create a hierarchy. I know growing up in the church, that's one of the things I wrestled with. Is thinking, well, if you're not on stage, then you're not significant. That is, a, that is a misnomer if there ever was one. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know the story in Exodus when, uh, when they've gotten out of Egypt and, uh, and they go to, they're going to, and the Israelites are fighting some battles. There's one in particular where, uh, where Moses is getting the people to fight a battle. And he's got Joshua down on the battlefield doing work. Moses is up on the mountaintop praying and lifting his hands up. And when he starts getting tired, it says his brother Aaron and Hur are standing on the sides of him holding his arms up try to keep his arms up, because if Moses lowered his hands, the Israelites would start losing. If his hands were raised, they would win. Now, what I love about that story is all four of those people were important. Joshua had to lead the people in the battle. Moses had to be praying to God. But you know what? Aaron and Hur, even though their job was being a hand holder, they stayed the the battle for God's people. There is no such thing as an insignificant role in God's church. We all get to bring something to the table, amen? When Paul is writing this, he's saying, look, we've all been given at least one of these gifts or roles. We are not incapable people. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, just before this, the God's Word verse says, the evidence of the Spirit's presence is given to each person for the common good of everyone. Paul literally just said, every single one of you in here has a gift. God is, if you were to 
disciple of Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God has given you a gift. But it's not yours. It's for the common good of everyone. God has given you an accurate manifestation of the Spirit. And you know what's awesome about this? If you give it, God will use it to be significant. And not only that, He'll probably grow your gift and He'll probably give you more gifts. When I was in college, let's share this story because it's funny. I know you guys have seen me up here for the years I've, I've been in the worship ministry, but when I was in college, uh, my roommate, um, his father, like, basically put together our whole church conference. Uh, he's insanely talented. He was a music major in college. Uh, he led, he's led songs. He's wrote, written songs for the church. He's got perfect pitch. He's unbelievably talented. He, he would practice opera in five different languages in our, in our place where we lived. He was talented beyond talented. He's also one of our song leaders. And I still remember at one of our funerals, he actually asked him, he said, he said uh, does anybody, anybody have a song they'd like to lead for, for our devotional together? Just, just kind of mix it up. Nobody else raised their hand. I raised my hand. He goes, anybody? Anybody at all? He completely brushed over me. He claims to not remember this, but I'll never forget it. MC a few years later, I had a brother that came up to me because I was, I was a part of the worship team and I was MC. And he said, he said, oh, you did a good job. Honestly, for years, I thought you were cool that. <laughs> so what you see up here on Sunday is not a product of just natural born talent. And I share that partially to make you guys laugh, but also because there's a reality to this. I believe the reason why I'm able to do this up here is because God blessed my desire to give gifts. Whatever I had, I wanted to give. What I didn't have, I wanted to learn. And God blessed it. What are your gifts? You know, what, what Paul is saying in Ephesians, is saying one of the roles that we have as leaders to, in the church is to bring out, to nurture, and to help utilize the gifts that we have in this church. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Some of you need to stop putting on gifts. Stop showing up late. Stop being selfish. Start giving it to God. If you ask us in any of the leaders, be it ushers, worship team, whatever, the number one thing that I hear from them is money. The parable of the talents tells us God gives us gifts. If you don't use them, you just take it for granted. But the people that do, they're eligible. And God trusts us with those gifts. We've got some great servants in this church. Like I shared about him already, we just shared about a lot. But Corvan is an amazing servant. He comes in here, he, he stays late, locks up, he picks up, he sorts chairs, he does communication, he's amazing. Bruce and Tommy, if you didn't know, Bruce and Tommy come here a little bit early every, every single Sunday to put the signs out. We've got some amazing people on our ushering team. We've got team workers that, that pour their lives out throughout the week for your kids, and they still come on Sundays and serve as ushers. We've got people like Darren Carlson and Chris Argetta and Jesse Alvarez and our 
our incredible AV team back there to come early and stay late and help set up and break things down for us. We got people that love our children's ministry so much they serve. Are you using them to honor God and build His church? The body doesn't function correctly when the parts aren't doing their work. Now, I mentioned for, for kinesiology that, that I, I love the human body, but one thing you can do is you do a lot of testing and checks for people to try to figure out how they're doing physically. Now, I bet if we were to sit down here and just kind of like ask you guys to roll your shoulders a little bit, maybe kind of do a little bit of leaning side to side in the neck. How many people here have some have struggled with some stiff neck stuff? How about lower back pain? How about knees? How about shoulders? How about stomach issues? Y'all got issues. Right? So you know what that tells me? We all know what it's like to have a part of our body that's not functioning the way it's supposed to. And it stinks, doesn't it? If the church isn't moving forward, it's because something isn't functioning the way it should be. And Paul ties this all together in verse 31. Pick up there with me. describing these specific spiritual gifts, he says, now, eagerly desire for greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The context of one of the most famous passages in the Bible, you know, Ephesians, verse 12, verse 20, the context of that verse is Paul saying, use what God has given you. But specifically, he's saying the greater gift is the one that Christ carries on heaven's work. All the stuff that we've talked about today, all those individual gifts, they're nothing without love. But you know what? If you know how to love, you give to the gifts. You can't just sit there and receive it from nothing. You've got to give. You've got to serve. You've got, you've got to look around you and go, okay, where can I, where can I fill a gap? Where can I help? We want to build up the church. We want to have ministry to help support the disciples and use as a means to reach out to people who are hurting. If you have gifts in some specialized areas, I want you to come and talk to me. Figure out what you can do. If you don't know, ask somebody. Right, Darren? We can come ask you. <laughs> What God doesn't want is a bunch of people sitting on their hands, doing nothing, 
or a bunch of people that are using their gifts or creating ministries for something that's not about building up the facility of the church, like we can't please the Lord. You know, I said, I, I said that uh, if you didn't do the homework last week, you've got to continue that this week. Here in church as leaders, God sometimes tells us that we're going to get some homework. i got another piece of homework for you. Shoot that with your phone. The QR code is going to send you to a survey of spiritual gifts. If you're struggling with figuring out maybe where your gifts are, do this. Scan it with your phone. Don't do it right now. You're in church. But scan it. It'll send you to a website. It'll take you about 10. I did it last night. It was about 10 to 15 minutes. It's very good. It'll ask you a series of questions, but then afterwards it'll kind of explain from your survey what are some of the gifts that you might have. But I want to encourage you guys. I think everybody can take 10 to 15 minutes while in your quiet time to do this to do this survey. Because we want to be about building up God's kingdom. Right, church? You know, I'm excited for the building. I am. Every time I walk past those pictures in the foyer, it gets me a little bit more excited about what this could be. I'm excited for everything we're going to use it for and everything we've already used it for. But like Adrian said, the building doesn't do it matters. The church isn't about the building. Miracles don't happen in a building. I'm more excited for what happens when God actually builds it. I'm excited to put some gloves on, pick up a shovel, and get to work. Amen? I believe God has a lot left for us to do. And there are miracles in store. And let's all be a part of using our gifts to build up God's church. I want to say a closing prayer to us. And then we're going to wrap. God, I just really want to thank you so much for how much you love us anyway. And just we past our sin and all of our junk, you still give us gifts and you still desire to use us to extend your grace. God, I really want to pray that each and every disciple that is in this room will realize the gifts that they have been given. That they will pick up the mantle, that they will, that they will strive, that we, that we will not be known as people that are selfish, but people that serve and give and love well. We want to, to see the Crusader launch. We want to see this church grow, not for our glory, but for yours. God, we love you so much. We thank you. Please help us this week. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.